Good morning. All right. Um, a few weeks ago, I was uh, thinking about meditating on and singing the, the hymn, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. And uh, there's a line in it that says, uh, Tell me, ye who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like this? And uh, even though there was some, some stirring um, as I meditated on that, what kind of convicted me was why, why is it that it doesn't seem to stir me the way it should? Why, do, why, why does the reality of what that verse is saying, you know, do, do I really hear the groanings of Christ now in my daily walk? How near are the sufferings of Christ? How near are the groanings of Christ in my daily walk? And as I was praying, you know, Lord, help, you know, help me to understand why, why is this not more real to me? Why do I not walk closer in the reality of what, what this is saying? And I feel as though the Lord helped in answering that in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. That's where we'll be looking uh, this morning. Um, so after you've turned there, we'll have a word of prayer. Um, but I feel as though, not that this is kind of the key to helping go deeper in our walks with the Lord, but I've, I really felt as though um, what these verses showed me is there's, there's been a real blind spot, I mean, almost in my entire life as a Christian, where it's something I sort of have known about, but I haven't really fully recognized and, and actually fully embraced. Um, and so um, I don't doubt that many of you here really have understood these verses, but maybe for some of you, it's a blind spot in your life as well. All right, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3a, kind of the first part there. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. I'm going to stop us there. There's, there's so, much, so many more things we could get into. It just gives examples of different sins. But three main things that I wanted to look at from these verses. Um, just looking at the fact that Christ suffered and, and meditating on his sufferings for us. The fact that he calls us to arm ourselves with the same mindset. Are we armed with a mindset to suffer, and then, and thus, are we in a place where we can actually cease from sin, have real victory um, over sin? And so, those are the three main things. I have a lot of verses I was going to go to, so I'm going to be back and forth here on my notes so I don't skip over anything. Um, I'm going to be very general with the look at suffering. I know there's, I mean, there's so many things um, that we could go into, but basically, when when I, when I think the scriptures are talking about suffering. And I know typically we can sometimes jump right to like suffering persecution and being beaten and thrown, thrown into prison. Um, and that's not something that we face on a daily basis. So I'm not going to primarily look at that, that side, even though that's very much real and that's part of the advance of the gospel and the sufferings um, of God's people, especially in unreached areas. But just looking at any kind of physical or mental pain that we experience 
Um, that, that's, what suffering, that's what suffering is, just in general terms. And I'm not talking either about uh, sufferings that we might face because of poor decisions we make. That's kind of a separate category where we have to learn lessons. Because um, you know, many people in the world will say, you know, like they have this Murphy's Law mentality and everything, everything bad happens to me, and you know, very self-centered mindset, and they're always looking at how bad things are for them. That's not really what I'm looking at either. It's the sufferings that Christians face as you're seeking the Lord and walking with him. And like Job, you haven't necessarily done anything wrong, it's just, but you're suffering. And why is it that that happens? And in a more convicting way, why is it that we don't embrace those times more? Um, why is it that we fight against those things? Um, so... Like I said, it, it's definitely a huge blind spot in my life, and it's been a very trying time the last couple of weeks to see how does this need to work into my life more, having this right mindset. So the first thing here, Christ's example of suffering. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to be jumping all over. If you'd like to follow along, feel free, uh, but don't, don't feel like you need to jump to all these verses. Um, but First Peter chapter 2 and starting in verse 21, he's speaking in the context of Christians who are suffering um, for doing good. And he says in verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So that what kind of jumped out to me there that I underlined first thing as I was studying th- these verses, to this you were called. We, we were called to suffer for Christ. You know, many times that's the thing we are most avoiding, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll gladly embrace um, close times of fellowship with the Lord, but many times it's not the type of fellowship that God's wanting us to embrace. Uh, he wants us to embrace suffering, that this is what we've been called to um, if you're a Christian. And a lot of times, and I'm not concerned about that here, and that's why I haven't gone on on it, but, you know, a lot of times the sh- shallower versions of the gospel, they don't bring up this side. Um, of, of the Christian life because it's not very attractive sounding. Um, but for the, for the Christian, for the believer who has seen the glory of God in the face of Christ, um, you look at suffering and say, well, whatever it takes. You're not gonna, I mean, we're never going to say, oh, I love, su-, you know, in a sense, we're never going to in our flesh enjoy suffering. But, it, but we will say, like Christ did, you know, not my will, but yours be done. You know, when you're faced with that, you know, it's suffer and be with Christ and be more like him or have it at ease, you know, be at ease. Um, and, you know, the Christian will say, well, I, I want to suffer then, you know, I, whatever it takes to be more close to the Lord, to be more like Christ. Um, you'll be willing to carry that cross because that's, you know, that's what it means to be a Christian. Um, but you also delight in it because you want, you want Christ because Jesus is, you, you know, he is worthy of that cross. So looking at following in his footsteps, just think of a few verses. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
and like one from whom men hide their faces. I mean, you think this is the very Lord of glory, and people are like not even looking at him. You know, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Are we willing to walk in the path of Christ in that way? Are we willing to follow him in, if, if necessary, that kind of rejection, facing rejection from others? It's another form of suffering. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, where it talks again about being, being servants, taking on the mind of Christ to be, a, you know, to be a servant to others and kind of you know, fulfilling what it says in Isaiah 53 about Christ who was the suffering servant. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this is just after Peter has made the declaration you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and Jesus has looked at him and said, you know, you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's kind of like Peter's confession of faith, which is kind of entry point. You know, you, you recognize Jesus for who he is, and this is just to clarify, the call to suffering is not some deeper spiritual thing for the, you know, the super spiritual Christians. And for me, it's just, well, I'm not into, I'm not into all that. It's you know, right upon Peter's confession of faith. And you actually see that in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where this is where these verses are where Jesus says these things, it's right after that declaration of faith by Peter. And so if this is entry point, um, this idea of suffering and carrying our cross. So Matthew chapter sixteen, starting in verse twenty one, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So just a couple things here before we jump to another verse. Um, That tendency of Peter to hear Jesus talking about suffering, really it, it's very similar to how, how many times we can look at. You know, suffering is starting to come and we think, oh no, God wouldn't want that. You know, he wouldn't want me to go through that. And it's just, and it's, it's really, it's the voice of Satan um, many times. Um, it's, so, and, and Jesus recognized the spirit behind what Peter was saying, this resistance to suffering as being necessary to fulfill the will of God. And so he rebukes Peter calling him Satan. It's just really interesting, the fact that he does that. Um, But going on, it says, if anyone, so this is everyone who would follow after Christ. It's if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself. It's on a daily basis, saying no to yourself and your desires. And that's a a painful, that's suffering. Because many times you, you have to say no to things, sometimes that are liberty, sometimes things that are good things, but they might be a hindrance. And they're things that God is, by his spirit, pointing out and saying that this, this area, you need to get better, you need to beat your body into submission in this area. Like 
Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. We need to say no to ourselves and make sure our flesh, our bodies are not master over us. We need to be master over our own bodies. And and we have that ability through Christ. Um, Deny ourselves. Take up our cross means be willing to die, be willing to suffer. I mean, the, the cross meant one thing back then. You know, nowadays people wear necklaces with crosses on them, and it's it's kind of lost the symbolic power of it. It meant death. You know, it's it's embracing death if you're going to follow after Jesus, and this is what it means to follow Him. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. You save your life by losing it, not by preserving it. You know, how often are we holding on to comforts and things that are legitimate, but there are things that God would have us you know be weaned from. Don't be controlled by those things. It's not that they're wrong in and of themselves, but are we controlled by them? Do we need them more than we need fellowship with Christ? And, and, and are we embracing the mindset of being willing to suffer as he suffered? So a lot of this comes down to not just having a mindset to suffer, but when suffering does come, what's our attitude towards it? You know, are we fighting against it or are we willingly embracing it? And that's not an easy thing. We, we need the Spirit's help to do that to willingly embrace suffering. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 said that, um, I'll turn there, Hebrews chapter 12, where we have even, even, with, even with Jesus, the example of Jesus, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So considering Christ, I mean, many times that is, that is the answer. When we're going through suffering, we need to immediately consider Christ and what he's done for us and not just focus inward on what we're going through. We need to com- you know, compare it to what Christ has suffered for us so we can get perspective um, and then also recognize that we, ne- we need that joy set before us. Uh, suffering is a way of turning our hearts towards our real home which is in heaven, that this world is not our home. And suffering has a way of weaning us from that wrong mindset and getting us away from thinking that this world is our home. It reminds us that it's not. You know, it's looking ahead, looking, looking to that joy that is set before us. And if Christ needed that, how much more do we need to look to that joy that's set before us? So a couple other verses in Hebrews that are just... I mean, we could spend a whole, a whole sermon just looking at these verses um, and just re- trying to wrap our minds around, around them. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing men, many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Uh, And that's why he is not ashamed to call them brethren, because we're co-sufferers with him. That's one of the reasons why he's not ashamed to call us brethren, because we suffer with him as he suffered. Um, Why would Jesus, the very son of God who was perfect, but how was he made 
How is he made perfect through suffering? There's something that, um, and sometimes we'll have these thoughts. You know, I've thought like, you know, why do we have to go through all this? Why, why isn't it when we're saved, God doesn't just bring us to heaven? Or why is it that when we're struggling with a certain sin, we just pray to God, you know, God, just take away the desire for it. He wants, us to, he wants us to put on the armor, and he wants us to endure suffering. And if Jesus needed to go through this to be perfected, how much more do we? So we, we cannot avoid the cross of suffering if we want to be perfected. If we want to be more like Christ, we cannot avoid the, um, the cross. We cannot avoid suffering. Um, and then Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, just again a similar thought. Um, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. It's, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, you, you, you want to talk about things that, that we could just spend hours, med- just meditate on, what does that mean? I mean, there's so much there for the Holy Spirit to peel back and to show us um, just greater reality of these truths, that what does it mean that Jesus was made perfect through suffering, that he learned obedience through what he suffered, and then apply it, you know, look at ourselves and say, what what do I need to learn from this, Lord? You know, what are you trying to teach us? Um, Here, this is from uh, Edward Payson, just again, thinking about the sufferings of Christ. He says, it has been supposed by many that the sufferings of Christ were rather apparent than real or at least that his abundant consolations and his knowledge of the happy consequences which would result from his death rendered his sorrows comparatively light and almost converted them to joys. But never was supposition more erroneous. Jesus Christ was as truly a man as either of us, and as man he was as really susceptible to grief, as keenly alive to pain and reproach, and as much averse from pain and suffering as any of the descendants of Adam. I mean, he knows what it is, to, to that feeling of wanting to resist suffering, as much as any of us. As to divine consolation and supports, they were at all times bestowed on him in a very sparing manner, and in the season of his greatest extremity, entirely withheld. And though a knowledge of the happy consequences which would result from his sufferings rendered him willing to endure them, it did not in the smallest degree take off their edge or render him insensible to pain. No, his sufferings, instead of being less, were incomparably greater than they appeared to be. No finite mind can conceive of their extent, nor was any, nor had, was any of the human race ever so well entitled to the appellation of the man of sorrows as the man Jesus Christ. So just thinking about all that Christ suffered for us. So the second thing here, arming ourselves with the same mindset. You know, Jesus set his face as a flint and was determined he was going to follow through all the way to the end. It needs to be the same way for us, that we're determined to endure all and any suffering that God finds necessary. You know, at First Peter it says, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So they're necessary. They're not pointless. Every trial has a point. It is necessary. Um, we know, and I'm not going to turn to these verses, but we know that the spiritual life is, is warfare. But it's so, so easy to, for, to forget that. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, putting on the armor of God. Romans 8.13 talks about putting sin to death. I mean, this is, this is the language of warfare. Um, 
But Romans 8.17 kind of jumped out at me here. Uh, a little bit less familiar with this verse. Um, and I don't want us to read it wrongly either because it might sound, sound like a certain way. It says here in Romans 8.17, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Some translations say, if indeed, if indeed you suffer with him. I don't think this is like, is a conditional, like if you want to, if you want to follow Christ, you need to suffer. It's more of a sense, because um, I think the word can also be translated since we suffer with him. Um, but either way, it's, it's talking about our being heirs of God um, has to do with our suffering with him so that we may be glorified with him. Colossians 1, 24 Paul speaking here. Um, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So as the gospel is advancing into all the world, it is necessary that his people fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. It's not talking about anything lacking in his atonement on the cross, but in the advance of the gospel, there is a suffering that that the church is to partake in, um, to be part of and to follow in the example of their Savior in the advance of the gospel. So um, there there are sufferings of Christ that are lacking that it's our responsibility to, um, to walk in. Um, that's Colossians 1, uh, the next, Philippians chapter 1, this one kind of jumped out at me, I'd never even, there's so many verses on this, it's all over the New Testament, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, and it says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So it's been granted to us. Now that, I mean, that's, again, that's a whole different perspective. And, it, and it's a really good sign that we're maybe a little bit more in the flesh than we should be if that just seems really weird to us. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. You know, it's been granted to us to suffer. Um, it's a privilege. Um, it's a gift from God. And, and, Peter, and Paul was able to rejoice in his sufferings and, and the granting of this gift of suffering. Uh, it's very humbling. It's very humbling if um, if we're not walking in the reality of these verses. Philippians chapter 3, um, verses 7 through 10. Just a couple pages over. It says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Um, Verse uh, 8 here, he talks about, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. 
again, just having that right perspective on everything we have, everything that was gain, Paul had the same regard for it as rubbish. So I, I lost all these things for Christ, but I count it as rubbish. So he, he, he misses these things that he's lost the same way I missed the garbage that I put out last week. You know, it was picked up, it's gone. I, I don't miss it. Um, it's just that it's that kind of reality of that's everything apart from Christ. I, I don't miss it. It doesn't have my heart. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Again, just this mindset of embracing suffering as God gives it to us. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. And this is just after um, Peter and some of the other apostles have been opposed by the council here in uh, Jerusalem. And it says, they were, when they were beaten and charged not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the, count, they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. But again, it's that rejoicing. They were counted worthy. You know, Do we have that mindset where it's, am I worthy? Am I worthy enough to suffer for the sake of Jesus? Um, just a couple more here on this um, Second Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Timothy here kind of helps us to see that uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a, you know, there was that tendency to kind of shrink back as, as the threat of suffering and, and, and that loomed in. Um, so Paul has to write Timothy and remind him. He says, for this, you know, starting in verse 6 of chapter 1, for this reason I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of, or gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our, about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And then a pretty well-known verse, um, 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I think we can easily just replace that word persecuted and make it synonymous with suffering. All, all who desire. Um, and because there's enough other verses to show that that's, that's what's going on here. That's what, that's what God is telling us. So do not be ashamed. There's that tendency to be ashamed. Um, now, there, there is a reality. You, know, you see in Acts 5.41, they were shamed. They were shamed for the sake of Christ. They were shamed before others. And that, so that we might have, but, but he says here, don't be ashamed. So we might be shamed, but don't be ashamed of the gospel. And, and Paul says that elsewhere, I am not ashamed of the gospel, even though we might suffer shame for the sake of his name. All right, the last point here. So the example of Christ in suffering ourselves being armed with a mindset to suffer. And then the third point here, um, those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. H- have you reached a place where, um, where you are done with sin? Um, now, as a Christian, there's a reality of that as far as you, know, you put your trust in Christ and our sins are washed away, they're forgiven. 
Um, but there, there's a way in which, as a Christian, we can allow certain wrong ways of thinking, old ways of thinking that we carry into the new, the new life, or we just allow different sins to creep back in. And we've gotten rid of almost everything else, um, but there might be still some things that we're, we're struggling with. Well, um, I, I believe that you know, First Peter's teaching us a, a really helpful way um, is if we, if we arm ourselves with a mindset to suffer, we're in a sense saying, I'm, I'm done with sin. Um, but it's also conversely telling us that if we're hesitant to put on this mindset to suffer, we're in a sense saying, I'm not fully done with sin. I'm not fully done with comfort. Um, I don't know if I'd go quite this far, but John Piper was saying, you, you must choose suffering because if you don't, you will choose sin. I think what he's meaning is inevitably, if you, if you don't choose the cross and walk in obedience to the gospel and what Christ has called us to, if you don't make that clean break with sin and determine in your mind you know, that I'm not going to sin and I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord, I'm going to arm myself with a mindset to suffer and I'm going to also um, arm myself with a mindset of putting sin to death at all times and just seeing how these two things work together. Uh, Romans chapter 13 Verse 14, um, I think is there's some similarities between this, this verse here and, and what we were looking at in 1 Peter 4. Romans 13, 14, it says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So in, a, in, in the same way, you know, looking to Christ and putting on that his mindset, the mind of Christ, the willingness to suffer, um, and, and it says in First Peter, you know, those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. Well, here it's saying, you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and then make no provision for the flesh. Um, and this is, a, this is a really difficult area because there, there can be a tendency to go to a wrong extreme and become overly legalistic. And that, that is a danger. Um, but I know in, in, in my life, at least, the tendency has been not so much going in that direction. Um, before the Lord saved me, that was kind of the tendency I went to. But after the Lord saved me, my tendency was to kind of swing the other way. And, and I've, I've found, and, the, and, and you know, I know that the Lord has shown me in some areas, I've made allowances for things that aren't in and of themselves necessarily sin, but they're provisions for it to where it's, it's, it's sort of starting to walk down a path that it can and, many t- and, and it can eventually lead to sin. And it's, you're, you're making a provision. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's dangerous. And we need, we need the Spirit's help. Um, we need the Lord's help because it's on an you know, individual basis between us and the Lord what things for us are, are, are provisions for the flesh. And we need to be so careful um, that we're not making any provisions for the flesh. Because in a sense we're, you know, we're choosing sin, or we're we're choosing what may lead to sin. Um, he says in First Peter four, the time suffices. I want to read that again. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles do. Or another translation um, says, for the time is already past. So it's just having that mindset of I've had enough sin. I mean, I'm, I've had enough. And being determined with that, that I'm, I'm not going to allow any more sin. 
Now, I mean, are we still going to struggle? Yes. But it, again, it's a determination of our minds, and it, it's not allowing there to be any provisions for the flesh. Um, so just kind of coming in, in conclusion here, um, I, I quoted this uh, last time I shared, but I think it's just a really helpful quote. There was a, Scot- a Scottish covenanter who was sharing with his congregation what he thought would be his last sermon, um, and uh, because he was about to be taken to prison um, for saying that Christ is the head of the church, not the king. Um, and this is a few hundred years ago in, in Scotland. And, uh, and what he said to his congregation was, there is greater evil in the least sin than in the greatest calamity. I just kind of replaced in there, you could say in the greatest suffering. Um, here's the question, though. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Am I more concerned that I might walk out the door here and face some great suffering or that I might walk out the door and think a wrong thought towards one of the saints? You know, am, I, am I more concerned that I might have something that might hurt me than I am about even the smallest sin? Because um, that's the way God looks at it. And we need to look at it through the way he looks at it, not measure things by... Um, by our standard. We should not be surprised and frustrated when we suffer, you know, if the day didn't go as planned. You know, I wanted the day to be comfortable. God, you know, give me a comfortable day instead of your kingdom come, your will be done. We just, I just want the day to go smoothly, Lord, please. And we think that's justified, um, but we just need, we need to be careful. We need to be careful um, you know, are we frustrated because people aren't treating us the way we should? You know, traffic is slow. I mean, just all these things that they agitate us, but they're, I, I believe that they're little evidences that we aren't armed to suffer. We really aren't armed to suffer if all these little things bother us. We're not really saying from our hearts, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, that's what he says here in First Peter. It's so that you will no longer live for human passions, but for the will of God. You know, arming yourself to suffer is another way of saying, I'm living for your will and not my will. You know, your will be done, not my will. Um, just a couple, couple quotes here, and then we'll, we'll close. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing that we will face in this life that can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing that we might face as far as suffering goes that isn't something that God is allowing for his perfect purpose in making us more like Christ. So we should not be afraid. Because that was another thing I could think of that maybe for some that, you know, that the hesitancy to embrace this and to say, I'm going to arm myself with a mind to suffer is in the back of our minds, we might be thinking, oh, you know, but if I do that, what's he going to What's he going to expect of me? What's he going to demand of me? What might he take away? And I think most of those fears are unfounded um, because, again, if, if we are actually armed, we'll see how empty all those fears are. And, again, it's like with Jesus. You know, it's that get behind me, Satan. It's that, that's that voice of the devil you know, trying to get us to resist, fully submitting to God and trusting him. I mean, don't we trust him? Do we not trust him with our lives and to, to place ourselves in his hands? and to willingly embrace any, any suffering he might have for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thomas Case said this, he said, By sharing the remainders of his cross, which, we, which he has bequeathed to us as a legacy, we may come in some measure to understand the sufferings of Christ, or at least by comparing our sufferings of such vast disproportion to his, we are able to guess at what we cannot comprehend. Affliction teaches us to prize and long for heaven. Um, Samuel Rutherford said this. He said, the greatest temptation out of hell is to live without trials. I had one more quote here, and then we'll close in prayer. And this is a prayer um, of Amy Carmichael's, and I think it kind of captures a lot of this, this idea of arming ourselves with the right mindset. So Amy Carmichael wrote this prayer. She says, from prayer that asks that I may be sheltered from winds that beat on thee, from fearing when I should aspire, from faltering when I should climb higher, from silken self, O captain free, thy soldier who would follow thee, from subtle love of softening things, from easy choices, weakenings, not thus are spirits fortified, not this way went the crucified. From all that dims thy calvary, O Lamb of God, deliver me. Give me the love that leads the way, the faith that nothing can dismay, the hope that no disappointments tire, the passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for this time. I thank you for your word. And we want to give you thanks for the privilege that it is for us as your children, as followers of Jesus, that we can suffer with Christ as he suffered. Um, and that through these sufferings, we can become more like you. We can share um, in your nature. And... Uh, Father, I pray that you would send your spirit and, Lord, that you would cause these things to be real in our lives. Help us to walk in them, um, to seek your face. And, that, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would cause any fears um, to embrace a mindset, uh, to arm ourselves, to suffer, um, that we would resist those things, resist the devil, um, that we would um, offer up our bodies to you as living sacrifices and say, we, we are at your disposal. You are our king. You are our captain. You were made perfect through sufferings. And uh, it is the same calling that we have. So, Lord, I pray that you would make these things real and that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship. And uh, I ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.